The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this week's show of Mule Talk, our guest is Mike Smith, and Mike was a professional gambler, and he's a frontiersman that traveled from Texarkana, Arkansas, to Tombstone, Arizona with his mules. Welcome to the show, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Okay, well, thank you. When I heard about you and your life story, I couldn't wait to get in touch with you. You told me earlier yesterday that you were a professional gambler. What was your game and where did you play? Play poker. Play poker. Well, I played, I played in my days. I played in bars and, and country gambling houses, Indian reservations. You know, I, I traveled all over the country and played, you know. I have played in casinos too when I got older, you know. But when I first started, I was young and I played in bars and everywhere else, you know. That is amazing. Well, it's been my, uh, see, I never drank in my whole life alcohol or nothing. And I could play with them people and nine out of ten people drank and gamble. And uh, I kept my stuff together and you know, I could beat them, you know. That's interesting. You have a good poker face, no doubt. So can you. <laughs> Can you read other people's faces when you're sitting there at the table? Yes, ma'am. How long did it take for you to get that figured out? Well, I started playing when I was nine years old with my daddy and my grandpa. And the time I got about 15, I just laid on my own. Wow. Did you go to school? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Did you play cards in school? I played cards after school. Uh, you didn't get in trouble for that, did you? No. Okay. I never got in trouble for anything. I was a good boy. Okay. Well, I believe it. Great. Let's talk about your your trip, uh, your adventure when you left Texarkana, Arkansas to travel to Tombstone, Arizona with your mules. What gave you the idea to do that? Well, I, I always wanted to. A friend of mine went to Wyoming one time and uh, and I've had mules and horses all my life and I got thinking I would like to go from here to Tombstone, but I knew how hard it was in that country down there. So I spent three years getting ready for it. I built wagons that could withstand the wind and the sand and the, and the storms. And, and then I, I also broke the right kind of mules and selected the right kind of mules that could do that distance every day, you know, without breaking down. And then I trained them to, to live off of 20% rain scoops, no hay, no grass, no nothing. So there's nothing in the Southwest. So I, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a hard trip. You know, I can't tell you all of it in a short time, but what I'm saying is, there's nothing out there. There's no grass, no dirt, no trees, very few people, very little water. You know, rattlesnakes, bears, mountain lions, killer bees. If we encountered all of it, you know, I built the wagons and, uh, and I, and I covered them with stuff that the wind couldn't blow off of it. And, uh, I went through a lot of mules, trained a lot of mules to get the ones to go with. I had two wagons. A friend of mine and his grandson drove the second one. And me and my wife and my grandson went in the first wagon. My grandson was a flagman on the horse. So we uh, we left July the 4th, got there October the 7th. And it's, uh, it's a hard it's a hard place, a hard country. I've been in that country for you know, many years, and I knew what it took. You know, sometimes it'd be a, a never-problem day, and someday we'd have a problem. But I had everything. I thought about everything ahead of time, even the killer ants, you know, you know, I've got to prepare for them. And, uh, and it gets so hot, you get, you know, between 120, 130 in the day and get on 40s at night. You know, I had to deal with that, you know. And then 
you got on down there close south north of Del Rio down there, that wind blow 40, 80 miles an hour every evening. How did you deal with killer ants? I had some, I got some stuff from a, a lady that I knew that worked for the Terminex place. You just, you pour it around the holes. When you find the holes when you camp, you pour it around that hole when they come out, it kills them. That way they can't get on your mules. Oh my. So they're about an inch big, you know. You know, it's just, uh, it was a hard trip, you know. You know, just, uh, but we got I lost one horse and one mule. The horse, I had two, I had spares. The horse fell. I worked four mules across side by side. And when I lost the horse, he was on the second wagon. And he fell going down the mountain. And Carl, he was seven-something years old. And he couldn't get it stopped quick enough. And he was drove that wagon up on top of him and killed him. And a guy come along, had a trailer and a backhoe. And he put him on the backhoe and took him to his farm and buried him. So I put another mule in there. And we went on. We got out there close to uh, Alpine out there. And I had one eat some poison mushrooms. And I had to shoot him. So I took the harness off of him, put it on the flag horse, and went the last 600 miles with three mules and a horse in that first wave. It was a, it was a hard trip. And the uh, uh, sandstorms, we beat them because you could see them way across there. When I see a sandstorm, I'd stop and count and let it blow by because it don't last 24 hours. So I beat that sandstorm. Then as far as the, the bears and the, and the mountain lions, I had two cattle dogs with me. And then uh, killer bees. You know, I knew how to handle them. You know, I mean, the rattlesnakes, if you, if you just can't just stop there and unhook them mules and tie them to the way, them about to stomp around a little while those snakes leave. You can hear them when you first get there, but 30 minutes or so, you don't hear them no more. They vibrate the ground, you know. You know, that was a hard trip, you know. Sometimes we had to leave the side down on the wagon to keep the wind off of us. The wind blew so hot off them rocks. And then uh, in the Coronado Mountains, there's no roads, you know, nothing. We had to go through the Coronado Mountains and make our own roads. Come out of the Coronado Mountains, we could see up on top of a mountain, it was sandstone. When I come out of the mountain, they used an article mountain of constant. And the Border Patrol, Medicine Del Rio, and they was gonna, they was gonna help us because we was planning on going, stopping in them little towns and getting stuff we needed, but they shut them towns down because of 9 11. And the Border Patrol said them towns were shut down. There was a long ways between them. And I said, we ain't quitting. He said, we got orders to help you. About every three days, that banner, they'd come by with water. They'd fill up all the water jugs. Each wagon had 26 gallon water jugs in the bottom. They last three days. They'd fill them jugs up for us. Three days later, they'd start back there again. And then we needed some feed. They, they brought feed from up north, relayed it somehow, 400 miles from up north down to that desert course. I had a trailer behind my way and I held all the gear and a feed in. But it was a hard trip. And so we got on up there close, about 20-something miles from Sandhorn. And we met a guy sitting in a van up there, been there three days. There ain't no people out there. And there was very, very little traffic. And we used powder Gatorade, Gatorade in the water. We gave him some Gatorade and stuff. And we hooked his van behind one of my wagons and pulled us the van horn behind the wagon. Well, during this whole time, you know, new staple people, they, was, they knew we was coming with on TV. And the ranchers were would fix up, you know, food for us and everything. We'd camp out to the ranch. We got to, up there to Lobo, go across the desert Lobo. Well, every three days, I had to shoot six mules and a horse for the sand you could choose off of. Wow. So I shooting school that gave us uh, some cases of horses. I told them we were going to cross the desert. Until then, they used Thompson carbide and went all that way. They didn't have to worry about it. But it eased the shoes into between the carbide. So that made it hard, you know. 
the entire reason I had them on the, in wagons on them 32 inch buck shot motors keep them sinking down in the sand. They couldn't pull it, it's gone down. But, uh, of course, you know, the sand eats the hair off them horses. You don't have no hair but from their feet up to their knees. Sand eats it off of them. And every three days, I had to chew them. And we stopped at noon on the third day and chew all of them. I did all the chewing, but they didn't have to do much because there was nothing left. You know, just had to pull the nails out the top. Bend the chew, put it in the nail back then. You had lights on your wagon, is it that right? Yes, ma'am. And how did That's how did that panels. work? Solar panels? Yes, ma'am. On top of it. And I had a CB in it across the long bridges and stuff. You yeah. thought of everything. This is well thought out. Oh yes, ma'am. And the people in the southwest that are they're different than, than other people do. I mean, they, they helped us every way they could. You know what I mean? They'd meet us on the road when I'd stay at their range, you know, and have cook out and stuff, you know. And and they they were just different kind of people. And then the and the truck drivers on that I tell them on that T V we people coming in bridges, they shut them bridges down and we crossed them bridges. And the state police helped us on the long bridge one time, you know. But it it was a hard trip, you know, you get out there and it's past nowhere. You know, we was right down on the border there for a long time, right close to the water, you know, right up the border. And the military was camped on the border, you know. It was it was hard to. I wouldn't advise anybody to try it. Now, people joined up with us and tried to go, but none of them ever lasted over half a day. Well, I, the, the people coming from up there, up north, I told them, I said, y'all can't do this. I've always done this and done that. I said, yeah, but these are you with the mountains in shape. And we're going to straight up a mountain. It's 30 miles to top that mountain. Oh, we'll be all right. They lasted till about 9 o'clock. And you was quit on them, and that was it. Did you wear sunscreen? No, ma'am. <laughs> Somehow I knew. I, I got on it on the front of my wagon. <laughs> I put it on it on it to stop that. Okay, well, good. Good. Yeah. It takes hours to take the whole thing. I can tell you, so you just say, we on this the basic part. I can tell you about the bear episode and everything. And We're going to talk about all of that. Yeah, we'll get together and we'll do this again. Um, yeah. I mean, because uh, we'll break this up in segments. Um, I mean, if you don't mind, I mean, I would love to get the whole story from you. Um, well, you'd have, you'd have to sit down and something let me tell you, you know. It takes hours to explain it all, you know. Selecting the, and selecting the mules, people don't understand that, you know. People that's had mules all their life and don't know mules. A mule's a different animal. You never hit a mule and they're hopper. If you're breaking that mule, if you're going to make a good one, don't never hit him and never holler. And he'll make a good one if he's got it in him for the distance. Most mules, when they have enough, they quit. I say 50% of them, they'll quit. But you got to have mules that won't quit when the going gets tough. Did you use mare mules or horse mules? My old man, horse mules. Horse mules, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. That's smart. They've got it in them to do it. One thing about this, all mules, very few mules, when it really gets tough, you know, they'll keep going. And you got to train them mules, and then you got to try them and see what they got in them. I've never been beaten in a pulling contest with a mule in my life. I've pulled mules all over the country. I've never been beat. But you can't, you can't beat me into a mule. Mules, kind of, mules are different than a horse. A mule, you know, if you ever hit him and holler at him, you know, you, you can't do nothing with him. You know, it's, 
it was hard to I lost a mule and a horse, you know, and I lost that mule. He ate some poison mushrooms and I had to shoot him. I called him in there and said, he ain't going to live. Well, I tried giving him some bucinolene for a couple of days and it got worse. So I just let him out in the desert and shot him. I pulled his harness off, put it on the flag horse, put him in the middle of another tree and went on. Nothing else I could do. That's heartbreaking. Well, you got to, I expect to lose more than that. You know, that's a hard country out there. And I fed them electrolytes and their water for the heat, you know. And another thing, when it, you know, and it got cold at night out there and they hair it over, when it got so hot, the metal part of them harness was burning the hair off of them. So I had to wrap them with towels and duct tape to keep it from burning the mules because that sun heats up that metal on them harness. So all them harness was wrapped with, with towels and duct tape. I would have never imagined that. You know, I would have never even thought of that. Wow. You know, because you see, the, it, if you watch it, you know, it's because most people have never been out there like I have, but, but you see the, the hair burning because it's that milk getting hot on them harness. And you wrap it and it don't get hot. You look and you look and you train them until they make the same step. You got four across and they make the same step. That way each one is pulling his part of the load. And, and it makes it twice as easy on all of them, you know. And it's real easy to train them to make the same step, you know. Ain't nothing fancy about that, you know. It's just, uh, it's a lot to it. I've been three years getting ready for it. And both of my wings had hand emergency brakes. And that way, if something happened to break from out going down one of the big mountains, you can stop it real easy. Yeah. If you don't without going down the mountains, you're in trouble. And, and I fixed it. Hand emergency brakes on both sides of it. Pull them brakes and stop it on the dime. But we never had any brake problems. Yeah, I've, I've had horses and mules all my life, you know. When I was young and in, in my teens, I used to take them away with no brakes on them. And let them mules run off, and I'd run them off the lake and stop them and break them with no white brakes or nothing. When I got older, I don't want to be with the way, but they can't run with you. So I did. You said you took your wife with you? Yeah. And she was gun ho about it? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Good for her. We got we got Pictures of everything and some of everything. She documented all of it. She's got it all in folders and pictures in, in the house, you know, and uh, the whole thing. You know, we got a museum in Pleasant, museum in Pleasant, because the only way it went to the southern route. In the old days went the northern route. They got grass and water and everything. But I went the southern route. But I plan on getting what we need to in town, but in town wasn't there. They stopped the Mexicans couldn't come back across the border because 9-11 in town. So then you come up on a town with population 30,000 people, nobody there, nobody. And then just like Lobo, they built a fence around Lobo, Texas, nobody there. Blaintree, Texas, there's nobody there. Okay, why? Because the towns had to shut down. There's no people to trade with them. No people can come across the border. They did the trading with the Mexicans. When back in 9-11, they wouldn't let them go back. It was a, it, it, I didn't expect that, you know, and I got in the border told me, he said, y'all going up the border, and I said, yeah, he said, man, them towns are closed down up there. And I said, well, we just have to deal with it. I don't get the water from the windmills, but my water jug holds six gallons in each jug. It takes one hour to get six gallons out of a windmill. And then if you don't, if you don't beat, them, beat them goats there, you ain't going to get nothing. And goats and sheep, they travel from windmill to windmill, thousands of them. And, and then you have to hold that drum on there. But the border patrol said, we're going to bring you your water. And they did. They didn't miss a bit. Wow. There were three days they showed up for us. You know, it was 
they uh they helped and the military and all them ranchers you know it was uh and truck drivers would stop and sit ice chest on the side of the road with the ice and coke and stuff in and we stopped and pick it up this is amazing no doubt you're a different person since you did that trip um oh yeah you know it, it was it was a hard trip and you know i had a mule kicking and hurt me real bad and uh and we was camped beside the beside a clinic, and then and this guy came over talking to us. You know, he was man, you know, and you will keep me. And I, and I said, let me see. And I took no off. I was black from my knees on up behind my ear. He said, me, because I must I ain't got time. I said, I can quit. I got to go. Well, he said, you know, you might have broke your hip. I said, well, I'm still I'm still getting around a little bit. But anyway, he gave me a little bit of medicine. About three days, he caught up with us and gave me some more. He was a doctor, you know. And uh, but uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't stop. You know, I had to keep going. It was uh, a lot of times it was hard, you know. And big them desert spiders and stinging scorpions get in the way. And the desert spiders is 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 detective, so I had to catch them. And I just catch them and throw them out of the way. When the hand the scorpions, I kill them. Them desert spiders. I threw them out of the way. Okay, okay. Desert spiders. How big are they? About the size of a plate. Are they predators? I mean, what, what do they eat? Desert the spiders? Sp- yes. Uh, they'll only bite you if you let them, you know. They can eat in the mouth. They'll see the things in the mouth. I'll just catch them on their back and just drop them out of the way. Pull up the tires and get in there. When I get up at night, I turn the light on. Put them old scorpions, I kill them, you know, them spiders, I always throw them out, I didn't kill not one of them, but we made <laughs> You are the man. My two wagons, all it made, people out in New Mexico tried to go with us, and, and uh, it don't work if you can't stick a horse or a mule out there, and it's 120 degrees. You know, and try to pull in 45 degree heels, you can't do it. Yeah, my, my mule couldn't do that. She's a cream puff. The way I got my mule in shape when I left here, I let them do what they could do each day, what they wanted to do each day. When we got down there close to that there, and there wasn't no humidity, the little aches and pains didn't bother them. And they do 35 miles a day. But, but you know, if they're really fit, they can do 35 miles a day. Yeah, and that down there where there's no humidity, they can do it. Yes. I know you carried firearms. What did you carry with you? One pistol. One pistol. And I went out, one time I took it out of the wagon and these dogs got on them bears trying to get to you. And uh and I didn't use it then. I shined that light on that bear and them dogs on that bear and he charged me, but I cut the light out and I knew that forty charge he went right by me. Of course I had my mule tied with chains. That's the five eighth logging chain is what I tied with. I didn't tie with them leash it. They won't hold them. They came to the wagon at night. And then and then logging chains, they can't break them. But that first bear scared to death. The next time, the next three bear never bought them. They just look at them. They don't think. But yeah. that first one, they never seen one. Well, okay. So what kind of pistol did you carry? Was it like a, a forty-five or a three fifty-seven? It's a nine millimeter. Okay. Smith and Wesson. I've had it forty-five years. A Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Okay. Hollow points? Yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, I never had to use, you know, just shoot that mule when I was in. You know, it, it, uh, it, it, was, it was fun, but it was also, it was survival. A lot of it was survival, you know, not making the wrong move. You, know, you take one of them jugs and you water the yields, you got a little water in, you don't pour it out, you keep it, save it. If there's any water left in the bucket, pour it back in the jug. 
even for two or three years after I got back, I caught myself saving water. Just the other day, my grandson watered the dog and throw the water out, and I started telling him, throw that water away, and I didn't say nothing, but still, I still, still think about saving water, you know, in your head. Yeah, it is, and you know it's like a survival thing. And um, all you gotta do is come down here and I'll tell it. It's this thing you look in these books and stuff, and, and it's just pictures and stuff. You tell me everything. And I want to talk more about the detail of the wagons. I want to get your input about your grandson. You know all that stuff, Mike. I want to thank you for being on the show. You've been wonderful, and we have to talk again. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you. We will talk again. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email. Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y at everycowgirlsdream.com. Gotta go. My mule is looking for me. (laughs) 